0: Turn scat It's better because of you And that's a fact We're in this together You and I We're in this together You and I Welcome back to You'll Understand When You're Younger. I'm Brian.
1: And I'm Jordan.
0: Hey, welcome to the Invert episode again. Thanks a lot to uh, Ted Heinechevitz for our theme song. We appreciate him being willing to do that. Go ahead and find him out there on any place you get your music. Jordan, just checking in to see how you're doing this week.
1: Man, I'm doing wonderful. Any any week that we're doing an inverted episode, I'm just sitting back and coasting. Like this is <laughs> this is like the first class of, of podcasting. You know? They <laughs> let, let, stress they let you? you board first. There's room for your baggage. You know, and you just have to sit back and enjoy the ride. That's where I'm at right now.
0: All right, I like that. So I I won't be slinging free drinks your way because we're too far away for me to do that, but feel free to, to get up and uh, snag one if you need to.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to use this special bathroom at the front of the podcast instead of having <laughs> to go all the way to the back like a peasant.
0: <laughs> that seems like a great idea. Uh,
1: awesome. I got a question of the week, though. That is one thing I'm responsible for when we do the inverted episode.
0: All right, so I'm looking forward to this one, because last one was uh, very interesting.
1: What is a sensation that you despise, even though it's not painful?
0: Um, so a, a sensation I despise, even though it's not painful, embarrassment.
1: Okay, why do you despise embarrassment?
0: Because your body, despite the fact that, like you said, it's not painful your body gets hot, you start to sweat, your face gets red, and it's just an all-around uncomfortable feeling. So it's not just about the fact that you were embarrassed, but how your body reacts to that embarrassment makes it just something I don't ever want to experience. And it's one of those situations where, unfortunately in life, it's unavoidable. You're going to get embarrassed at some point in time in your life. And when it happens, everyone knows you're embarrassed And you know it in your body is really kind of like, it's like a red light blinking.
1: People actually do spend a lot of time in life trying to avoid being embarrassed. That is how despicable the feeling is. So I think that's a pretty good answer. All right. And it is a well, sensation, although it's more of a feeling. There's a sensation that goes with the feeling. But.
0: Right. So so for me, if, if I get embarrassed, it's it's a feeling on the back of my neck. That's kind of where it starts. Sure. It's almost like where the, the little knob on the back of your head is, which I can't remember what the name of it is right now. But that little knob on the back of your head, it starts like running down from there down to like your mid-back. And as that's happening, the sweat's starting to come around. You know, if I had a hairline, it'd be coming around my hairline, but I don't have that. And then your face, like I said, gets red and hot. And yeah,
1: that's the one for me. I don't really feel I feel it uh, on my neck when I'm afraid, but when sure. I'm embarrassed, it's all in the cheeks, like immediately yeah. flushed, like very intensely. Like everything the air around my cheeks feels cold because they've gotten so hot so fast.
0: So you can't hide it. There's some people who get embarrassed and are able to hide it because maybe they've been embarrassed so many times in their life, I guess they're not even embarrassed anymore. Right. uh, Or they've had
1: uh, plastic surgery. There's a physical way to hide embarrassment (laughs) and a mental way to hide embarrassment. And I would say the mental one's healthier, but the physical one's easier.
0: And the uh, mental one is probably way more expensive.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like... You could try and work things out through like journaling, kill your ego, or like you said, exposure therapy, right? like sure, you don't have to actually pay for therapy to embarrass yourself a lot. you could just constantly <laughs> put yourself in embarrassing situations and then you maybe could. you'll be less embarrassed
0: maybe be try to be a professional a comedian, but suck at it that will uh, that will get you used to it
1: yeah, there you go. good answer, dad
0: yeah, so I'll, I'm curious to. Uh, hear what yours is
1: so mine is more it's purely a physical one and i don't remember when this started but i think it just happened one time i was eating like a hot dog or a sandwich at school something that i had brought as cold lunch and the practice that i always did at home was instead of making the sandwich for my lunch on the counter i would rip off a paper towel and okay. make the sandwich on that and then i would wrap the paper towel around the sandwich and put it in a Ziploc bag and bring sure. that to school because then i didn't need to pack an extra napkin i wasn't wasting yep. the paper towel after using it i thought it was a smart idea
0: i think you probably got that from both your mom and i because i know that i do that and i'm pretty sure your mom does the same thing
1: maybe everybody does it i do it I... anyway the when i would get to school then you unwrap it, you have your napkin, and you have a little... You don't need a plate. It's perfect. That's why you do it. That's why I do it. That's why the people at Jimmy John's do it. I, one time, <laughs> I think I it was eating the sandwich with the paper towel not fully unwrapped, and this is why I think oh, it was oh. a hot dog because it would be more likely oh. for that. And I didn't sure. eat the paper towel, but I got the a bit of the paper towel on the tip of my tongue. Oh, yeah. And that sensation...
0: To oh, this yeah. day,
1: is one of my least favorite sensations in life. Yes. But the, the problem is, um, facial tissue, toilet paper, and paper towel—all these paper products that you use with your hands—all kind of like they have different feels, but in a way, it's the same feel. It's layered right, right. paper that's soft that has a very specific tactile sense to it. Right. And if I grab it the wrong way, and this is psychotic, I should probably see a therapist for this. Forget <laughs> embarrassment. I can taste paper towel on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I it's a phantom tasting. It's yes, it's happened to me for years, and it's disgusting. Like it's it's it makes funny. me cringe. It's not painful, but it like that's when I'll get a feeling on the back of my neck and I'll shiver because i can like i can taste the feeling it's like synesthesia they say but i don't i don't like see colors or smell shit whatever um i just have like the the taste the feel the tactile sense of paper towel rubbing up against your tongue which oh, again yuck. if you've ever had that it's one of the most uncomfortable experiences at all
0: it's well because your tongue is generally wet right in some right. fashion it's and you have that very, very dry paper. And, and it's, it's meant
1: just, to interact with the wetness uh, and absorb it. Right. right? Exactly. So that's so a horrible your, feeling. Then your tongue is scratchy. It's just, it's no bueno. But, no. and it, like, so I, I avoid, you know, using paper towels a lot because of that, ver- like, because I just, I don't like the sensation. I can't really avoid <laughs> tissue paper. And toilet paper, but they are accompanied with that sensation less often. But paper towels, like if I grab it, if I get a good feel of the, the texture of the paper towel with my thumb, there's a good chance that I'm tasting it in my mind.
0: Oh man,
1: it's not good. It's horrible. I have no idea how it happened. I don't like. I can't think back to a specific day, but I absolutely despise it.
0: Yeah, I can. I can understand that. For me, something a little similar to that is actually aluminum foil when i ever i use aluminum foil it feels like it's like on the back of my teeth you know the, my molar is on my sure, teeth. sure yeah and that is a horrible sensation that is a never, horrible
1: sensation
0: yeah i've never like eaten <laughs> aluminum foil but it feels like you are when you're doing that so that's similar
1: I, yeah i have like just not not ever by design but like you're playing around with like tinfoil like i've bitten down on tinfoil before like as oh, a kid man. Not sure. to eat it, but just like, I don't know, you doing stupid shit. And that <laughs> is a terrible, that is a terrible sensation. What you're describing, aluminum, oh, yeah. crushing against the molars. Oh, I can yeah. feel that now. Yes. My I could, God, I-, I despise that sensation. <laughs> Although I would argue that is kind of painful. It is a painful yes,
0: sensation. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. Whereas
1: my too. paper towel one isn't painful. It's just disgusting.
0: Sure. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Jordan. I like that one. It, it made me think, and I, I probably, now that we've talked about it, I could probably come up with three or four different ones, but I, I, I'll stick with my embarrassment one, but i certainly do like the, the paper towel slash aluminum foil option that we talked about.
1: All right. Well, sweet. Should we get into our feature story about blue laws?
0: Yes, Jordan. We're going to talk about blue laws today. All right. Sweet. So, I thought I'd start off with why are we even talking about this topic, you know? And we'll get into you know various different aspects of it. But the whole reason that I chose this topic was that I was on a phone call with work, and there's a number of folks on there, and we were waiting for someone to join. So we just started talking. Hey, where are you from? Where are you from? You know, just your typical meeting type stuff. And when we're all remote, you don't get to sit there and talk to people very much. So as we were talking about where people were from. We started talking about different aspects of where people are from. So one of the things that we talked about was, you know, there's someone who is from Michigan. There's someone who is from Wisconsin. And as you know, I live in Arizona. And we're talking about just different odd things that happen. And it came up that you could buy alcohol any time of the day, any place you want in one state. And then other states had different rules. And someone said, well, why is that? And I said, well, it's because of the term blue laws. And they're like, well, what in the world, the blue law? And so I said, well, we'll have to save the topic because we are having people rejoin. But then we, after the call, we went ahead and discussed it a little bit further. And it was fascinating to understand what people did or didn't understand, not only about blue laws themselves and that they even existed, because everyone assumed that the laws in their state were very similar to the laws in other states.
1: Sounds like they need to listen to our episode on federalism.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it, but <laughs> for this type of stuff, you know, people just assume you can buy alcohol whenever you want, if that's what your state has. Or, as we'll get into it, other states have different laws. So that is how we came up with that topic. Now, the, the question that I've got here is, uh, you know, Why did blue laws even start in the first place? So, really, it it comes back to... Well, hold on. Are you going to,
1: in the process of explaining this, are you going to define what a blue law is for the people, maybe like me, who don't know what a blue law is?
0: Yes. So, why did they happen in the first place is is going to answer that question. So, generally, blue laws were an attempt... By a society to curtail certain activities that they may have seen as being immoral on a certain day. So, most often that day happens to be Sunday because a couple of the major religions have Sabbath as a Sunday. And so, it was an opportunity for people who were maybe Puritan in nature, which you've talked about in the past to say you know what we're going to give the lord his day that's going to be sunday and we're not going to do various different things on sunday and so the restrictions about what you can and cannot do started to occur on those days now when people start hearing about these types of laws a lot of times they start thinking about restrictions on alcohol sales which we grew up with in minnesota but The history of blue laws says that that's not the only type of thing that blue laws were created for, and we will dive into those in a little bit later. But blue laws are meant generally to curtail various different activities that people thought maybe were immoral on the Lord's Day. Does that answer what you're looking for there, Mr. Uh, Jordan?
1: Kind of, yeah. But so in essence, you're saying a blue law is not like—it's not like a— actual category of law is just a term that we give to um, laws that maybe inhibit individual freedoms for no reason? Seems like it's a more retroactively applied term. Nobody was like, hey, let's pass a blue law today.
0: Well, that leads me to my question. Why are they called blue laws? And so I thought that I would give you four of the leading Theories as to why these are actually called blue laws and let you pick as to which one you think is the the one that the historians say is, is the Most reason. likely,
1: okay. Yes. Uh, uh, so we're doing a so, multiple choice test here is what you're saying. We are, so I'm going to... This isn't feeling like first class anymore. Now I'm feeling like I'm the back <laughs> of coach.
0: You, you got to put a little work in. Got to oh put God. a little work in. All right, so the first reason or potential reason is... That in New Haven, Connecticut, where most of the original blue laws started in the United States, they printed the laws on blue paper. That is the first option. Okay. The second option is that the term blue was used as an insult against folks who were considered to be extreme moralists and people who were considered to be snobbish or quote-unquote, blue bloods. The third option, the term blue law, is tied to a corruption of the term blood law. So a blood law would mean that you do something and you have a severe consequence which would force you to potentially bleed. And so it is potentially a corruption of that type of a term, meaning instead of saying blood law, they said it's a blue law. And? The last option is it was a slang term for someone who is considered to be prudish. So which of those four do you think is the most likely reason for the term blue law?
1: I mean, I would think that it's, the, it's either B or D. This is how I do multiple choice questions. I try to narrow it down to what I think the two most likely are.
0: Fair enough, fair uh, enough. So it, B or D. I,
1: and I'm not saying that they're bright, but it, if it's really because they were written on blue paper, that's kind of a dumb, dumb thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go... So See, there's also like blue movies, right? Which is a term they used a lot in the 50s, which I think was probably right. a reference to blue laws. Yes. So, and that would be the opposite of prudish. So it would be funny if it did originate as an insult to call somebody a prude.
0: That would that would be funny and very ironic. A- God, very so.
1: ironic, yeah. Because then it would yeah. be have completely changed meanings in the course of 50 years, 100 years. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to go with B, the Blue Bloods thing. All not, right. Not just because uh, the cops are called Blue Bloods or whatever, the TV show.
0: <laughs> with Tom Selleck, yeah. yeah. Uh, so actually, you were very close. The answer is D. Oh. It, was, it was slang for someone who was prudish. That is ironic. And- It's very ironic. It's so to to your point, that's exactly right. Not only do they have blue movies, but you had comedians such as Lonnie Bruce, who we've talked about in the past, who is considered to be a quote unquote blue comedian.
1: Which is great because it's literally that's the opposite of British.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. However, I will tell you that the prevailing thought process for many, many years, was that the term blue law came from the fact that in New Haven, Connecticut, they printed these laws on blue paper.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that that's also true, both and?
0: That No, it's not both and. That's what the thought process was, is that they were like, hey, someone in New Haven started printing these on blue paper. That's why they're called blue laws.
1: So it's a a myth you're saying?
0: It's a myth. That did not happen. That is absolutely an urban legend. And from what I could tell, and when I did a bunch of reading, it's very clearly stated there is no evidence to support that myth, but that is what has been retold over and over again as to why they are called blue laws.
1: That's the fun thing about history and anthropology is when you get to refer to like some stupid cultural meme as like, in the scientific method, well, we don't really have the evidence to support that hypothesis. Like people are looking around trying to find the origin right. of something that will have no consequence. And it's their whole career. but it's it's <laughs> i I'm not bashing it. I'm in full support, like we have a full podcast based around <laughs> that career. Yes. Yes, do. I love it. Like, I love that, yes. that that's part of the human experiment. So that's great. Absolutely. I'm glad that they didn't find evidence to support that. It makes <laughs> it funnier that over the course of time, blue went from meaning clean to dirty.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Like, it's like so, a double whammy attacking prudes. Like, first you're like, ah, oh, you're a prude. And then they're like, yeah, I am a prude. And like, no, you're a slut. Ha! Ha! <laughs>
0: Yes. So one more thing on the blue paper aspect of things, the reason why that, the, you know, that got debunked after all these years was that someone actually went back and said, hey, wait a second here. Blue dye is very costly to make. It's one of the most expensive dyes, or was at that time, one of the most expensive dyes to make. Blue and purple were, were the two high, highest costly dyes. And right. so they're like, why in the world would they spend money to turn paper blue when it's one of the most expensive things when they are people who will use the term prudish and they're trying to be very conservative in their ways. They're not going to be extravagant to make blue paper for these laws.
1: Right. And I also think um, like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it seems, seems like a really strange thing that anybody would take the time to print off a citation for a specific law that's a different color than other laws. But I guess they did that in, like, now I'm thinking of crime and punishment. They made right. prostitutes wear a yellow piece of, like, paper or whatever.
0: Right, and you had the Scarlet Letter, right? The the, 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 right. the book, the Scarlet Letter, which was that. And there's, so there's,
1: there's historical precedent, I guess, but it still feels like a leap to believe it, that. It,
0: it, Absolutely does, especially when, like I said, the people who are starting to think about it were like, this would be way expensive and, and for no real good reason.
1: Yeah. Not that you have to have a good reason to do something expensive, but.
0: Well, especially the government, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs>
1: but it, so, it would have been hard to source i'll give them that at least oh absolutely
0: absolutely they're trying to find where hey we need some more blue dye Come
1: i mean on, wait oh. they say barns are red cuz that's the cheapest paint right
0: yeah there you go so this these could have all been red laws i guess
1: yeah red law, that well yeah that <laughs> to makes go with the more red light sense, district frankly yeah yes
0: yes it would have been but no it's not so yeah i do like you said well getting back to that i think it's super awesome that it's because uh of the Britishness that they that they called them blue laws, and then that totally flipped. It's good stuff. So uh, the next thing I wanted to cover was when did blues, blue laws blue laws excuse me start in the United States? Now, one of the things I'll talk about a little bit later is the fact that they're not just pertaining to the U.S. It's just that because we live here, we think about them more and understand them a lot more. There are other countries that do have them, and I'll talk about some examples of those.
1: And I also think it personally, that it is a phenomena here because of us being one country but so big with, like, if federalism didn't exist, we would still have blue laws, but they wouldn't differ from state to state because there would be no states. So it is, like, our little system here is the only one in the world that is exactly like it. You know, like, Canada has provinces. Right. I guess more places have taken on federalism, but... I don't know. Maybe they're not as uniform, or maybe they are more uniform. I, I'm yeah, I, too I, self-centered I, to think about anybody else. <laughs> I
0: I think that ours is 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 actually very unique. There are some things that are similar, but we have enough differences that I would I would certainly say ours is very unique.
1: Yeah, a little bit more pronounced difference from state to state. I would say here than. A, I absolutely. Know. I'm not no,
0: gonna... I I I think you're exactly right, Jordan and you know, without getting too deep into this specific topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you simply just need to watch a political ad in each different state. And you can understand that there are tons of differences. And yeah, it's, you're looking I don't at mean different about
1: different markets. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I'm not saying, you know, Democrat, Republican, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's different markets. So the, so they're approached very differently.
1: Right. Understood. Anyway, so, not to derail your, uh, yeah, blue law so, I know, that's,
0: that's, that's no problem. so, uh, as I had mentioned previously, the original blue laws in the United States were started in New Haven, Connecticut. So Just like the th- good pizza. It's just like the good pizza, exactly. And the governor who's primarily given credit for starting blue laws in New Haven is Theophilus Eaton. Have you heard of uh, Theophilus Eaton before, Jordan?
1: I feel like the only Theophiluses that I've heard of are are f- not from America, they're from Britain.
0: Right, right. So,
1: the, I don't know if he was the, the governor there before the United States, but if he yes. was there. Okay, got he,
0: it. He, he absolutely was, and I'll give you a date here in a second. The only other Theophilus that I can think of is in the book of Luke in the New Testament of the Bible. He writes... do. Uh, Dearest Theophilus, is how he starts one of his letters. Sure, that's the that's the only one I'm aware of as well. So I
1: I know British Theophiluses from like TV shows.
0: Oh, sure, sure.
1: Like I, uh, I, or books, or I don't know.
0: Sure. So, uh, Mister Eaton was also assisted in creation of these blue laws by a reverend named John Cotton, and those. those two together are responsible for the start of the blue laws in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, actually, I'll just call it New Haven because it was a colony at that point. And it sounds like you might be aware of who John Cotton is based on the, your own. I've o? definitely
1: heard that name before, but I'm not sure that I know like enough about him.
0: Yeah, I, I did a, tried to do a little bit of research and I, I couldn't find stuff that was interesting enough for me to cover here. But it sounded like he was a very famous reverend at the time. And so the time was 1656. So this is exactly the time when we had the Puritans coming over uh, from England to here to escape various different things. And so as you can guess, Reverend John Cotton was a Puritan. And they established these laws because they wanted to define proper and moral conduct within the colony. They wanted to make sure that everything was happening the way it was supposed to happen, and everything that they did was tied to Sunday, which is what they considered to be the Sabbath. Right. So, so one of the things I wanted to cover then was what types of things did they outlaw? Because I mentioned that it's, it's not just alcohol that, that is affected with blue laws. Here are some examples of things that they curtailed with blue laws in the 17th century: hunting on Sunday,
1: selling hunting it, on Sunday,
0: hunting on Sunday. So if you wanted so you to go hunting, you can
1: kill animals whenever you want, except right. on Sundays.
0: That's correct. Okay, you could not. Uh, you could not sell any type of goods on Sunday. Right. So if you, Thou shalt not if you. Work. On Sunday. Exactly. If you ran out of, uh, you know, something that you needed, some some butter, you couldn't go to the neighbor and, and purchase some butter from them. Not not done.
1: Wait, wait. It, the law was you couldn't sell goods, or you couldn't buy goods. Now you I could
0: not. You could not sell any type of goods on Sunday. So in
1: theory, you could buy goods on Sunday if somebody wasn't selling them.
0: Sure. How would? You, yeah, I'm not sure how that would work, but yeah.
1: I'm gonna figure out a scenario. Where somebody doesn't sell something, but you buy it.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. So the other things that they had... Mid-level
1: marketing schemes.
0: (laughs) There you go. Got it. I'm sure sure those were... You nailed it. I'm sure those were huge in 1656. Anyway, keep, keep going. Another example was displays of affection, such as holding hands or even kissing your children. Not allowed on you Sundays. You weren't allowed
1: to in New Haven, Connecticut. You weren't allowed to kiss your child on a Sunday,
0: right? So we'll call it New Haven Colony because it wasn't a state at the point. But okay. yes, that's correct. You were not allowed to kiss your child on a Sunday.
1: Well, that is strange. Very I, odd. I'm well, this next one. Confused by that one.
0: This next one's I think almost as strange, but not quite you couldn't even go walking in a garden so pleasure gardens which we just talked about not too long ago right not doable on a sunday
1: even an unpleasured garden you you couldn't <laughs> not allowed there was no there was no gardening to be had
0: correct no now,
1: ambulatory here's, garden seeking
0: <laughs> yes here's a couple other ones and then i'll get into ones that were i think a little bit uh, crazy but uh Some of the colonies prohibited dancing. Okay, you know some. You can. The Puritans were against some of that, but laughing too loud was against the blue laws. So if someone told you a good joke, you had to keep it in. Wow, and uh, they also made attending church a mandatory thing. So if you lived in that colony in New Haven, it was mandatory that you go to church. It wasn't just hey we should all go. It was mandatory that you go.
1: Yeah, so I think that's weird. But it also, like, it's it presets all of those laws against piping and fiddling, you know? Like if you <laughs> yes, can, it does. If you can make laughing illegal on a, a specific day of the week, you can make piping and fiddling illegal all the time.
0: Yes, If you're doing absolutely. it in the bad
1: part of town. Um,
0: so That's so, interesting.
1: So, I mean forced religion, nothing new. It's just funny that the experience of the people who escaped England to become colonists, they they wanted to escape religious persecution, and then the yes. preeminent like domain of their respective colonies was which religion they were going to force onto other people, which is just, it, again, more irony, but what would I well, expect?
0: It, It gets better with this last bullet point because, as you just stated, they came to to the United States or to, you know, this new land because they wanted to escape religious persecution, right? They wanted freedom of religion so they could practice whatever they wanted. So they so Yes. Well, the the one blue law that I have left here I wanted to chat about is one of the laws was to deny food— and lodging to Quakers and Adamites and other religions that they considered to be heretics. Of course. Classic. So, so yes, they they were fe- feeling persecuted in England, and so they came over here, and what did they do? They persecuted, persecuted other folks. non-religious. Cl- yeah. It was classic.
1: That's great. It's- we're going to have to do an episode on Quakerism, too. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's anyway. That's not a... Not a problem. That's funny, though, that... I, I Again, n- not unexpected, but it's interesting that we consider that the origin of blue law because then that would mean all of England and most of Europe had blue laws that were expecting you. Like, in England, you were fined if you didn't go to church. Right. So if that's really considered a blue law, then a lot of the world's, like, normal laws are blue laws you know
0: <laughs> right yeah so yeah so this was definitely the start of the blue laws in the u.s but you're right they grew out of what happened in in england over hundreds awesome. of years yeah and i mean we don't really need to get into it but you know the whole spanish inquisition that occurred was basically right. one big blue law yeah right
1: the crusades so, everything yes
0: yeah. all of that it's crazy so uh as 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 the years went by uh, blue laws became less and less restrictive. So it, as we got into the, the 20th and, and uh, you know 18th, 19th, 20th century, the blue laws became less res- less restrictive. You could kiss your kids on Sunday. You could hold your girlfriend's oh, hand God. on Sunday, things like that. Yeah. However, th- some of them stuck around, and there's some unusual ones that I also wanted to cover in specific states. So into the 1930s in Pennsylvania – It was illegal to play professional sports on Sunday. So when you think about that, you know, right now uh, we have a whole uh, league that is based around playing a professional sport on Sunday. Sunday
1: football, baby.
0: And one of the most famous and most successful franchises in the history of the NFL is from Pennsylvania. And they won. A lot of their championships, well, actually, all of their championships were won on a Sunday.
1: Super Bowl Sunday, baby.
0: Exactly. So I found it very crazy that in Pennsylvania, it was illegal to do that. The other ones that I found interesting, because they were even, you know, got into the 80s, was in Texas. (laughs) It was illegal to sell housewares, like pots and pans, on a Sunday. So if you you know, dropped, uh, you know, your dishes and you needed to go buy some pots and pans and you needed them on Sunday, you were SOL in Texas.
1: Where was Napoleon Dynamite based? Was that based in Texas?
0: I, you know, I'm not real sure, Jordy. I I, I mean, we'd have to look it up, but it certainly could have been. It
1: looks like Texas and they've got alpaca in their yard that can happen anywhere but i'm just thinking of that shot when he throws the potatoes at oh yeah tina and like that's a pretty barren wasteland reminiscent of like uh uh west texas
0: yes absolutely
1: anyway the point is if uncle rico was selling his wares from his van to the ladies. The 24-piece set, the 32-piece set, the (laughs) 36-piece set. He was probably breaking the law, because that would have been set in the 1980s before they... Yes. I guess,
0: no. They had,
1: like, Walkmans and stuff. When did that come out?
0: Walkmans were in the mid-'80s.
1: Okay. So it's definitely possible, but I'm guessing it was a late-'80s set movie, and maybe it was overturned by then.
0: I'm not certain that Uncle Rico really cared too much about any laws, to be honest.
1: Right. Well, I have to feel that Texas probably wasn't upholding that law right? Isn't that the nature of some blue laws? Yes. That they're just on the books because people didn't care enough to remove them.
0: That's exactly right. And that's one of the things I was going to talk about is exactly that, that when you have these laws created, sometimes people forget to go back and make changes to them because, hey, we're not going to enforce this so we don't really need to change it. The problem is... Someone in theory could then go and say, Jordan, I saw you selling pots and bands on Sunday, and they could bring you to the authorities, and you could end up getting fined or, or put in jail for doing something as simple as kissing your child on a Sunday. Well, Insanity.
1: It depends on how you're kissing the child, but I would still maybe report somebody for that.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, fair enough. So... The, the, the thing that most people understand and know about in terms of blue laws as they stand now are basically two laws that actually exi- existed almost my whole life in Minnesota as I grew up. And both – well, one has just recently changed, and the other one is in the midst of being changed, and that is alcohol and that's when people think of blue laws. That's the one of the first things they think of is restrictions on alcohol, when it can be sold, how it can be sold, where totally. it can be sold. That's because and
1: those are the ones that are the, have been the slowest to change because of America's rampant temperance contingent.
0: Absolutely. And it's the one that affects the most people, right? Right. So, So as we grew up in Minnesota and as I grew up in Minnesota, there was no sales of liquor at all on Sundays at a liquor store. So we had actual liquor stores and you could not buy alcohol at all on a Sunday. So if you were looking to to have alcohol for a get together you're having on Sunday to maybe watch football on the TV, you either had to go to a bar or you had to go across the river, the Mississippi River. And head into Hudson, Wisconsin, or Superior, Wisconsin, or La Crosse, Wisconsin, depending on where you lived in Minnesota, on the east side to get alcohol. I'm you, almost you could- certain
1: that the only reason that those state or er, those cities exist, like uh, right there on the border, is because of that. Absolutely, absolutely. Like that is exactly. Blue laws completely shaped the western half of Wisconsin. Because it was a primary motivator for young 19-year-olds like yourself to drive over the—or it wasn't—was it 21 by the time it you was, got
0: there? Yeah, I, it turned—it was 19 when I was a, like a freshman in high school, but Damn. by the time I had graduated, I was 21. Yeah, it was actually 18 for a little while in Minnesota, and then they flipped it to 19. and Right, then, that was the responsible
1: thing to do, change it from Absolutely. 18 to 19. They probably saved a lot of <laughs> lives.
0: I'm I'm certain that they did, but those kids also then just went to Wisconsin and drove back home. Right, because it would
1: have still been an 18, 18 to Wisconsin, right? <laughs>
0: exactly. It was. It was exactly 18 in Wisconsin, so they would drive to Wisconsin, have their fill, and do what they w- were going to do after that. Yeah, so I never thought that,
1: about that, but like Hudson probably only exists. Like, there's no reason that there should be a city there. I mean, it is along a river, but right. It's right. mostly as big as it is just because people would drive from the cities over there to buy alcohol and come back on a Sunday. That's it.
0: That's totally what happened. And same thing with with you know the various different spots, Well Superior, right? You have Duluth and and you have Superior there and people would scream down the hills in Duluth and head into Wisconsin, they would buy two things. They would buy alcohol
1: and Jeez. they would buy
0: fire well maybe that too. And fireworks because when you know in Minnesota the yeah, only type of fireworks, laws. yes, the only type of fireworks that we could have were sparklers. That was it.
1: Ever like they didn't even have a part no, of the you, year like a July first no. through third.
0: No, and that's why. We, and you've done this drive. That's why when you go from Minnesota into Hudson, they have all those huge fireworks stands that are there. Because that's where people would go. They go buy their alcohol, get whatever they wanted to drink. Well, think of this combination. They would go to the bar and have a drink, and then it's like, hey, by the way, as long as we're here, let's go get some fireworks. So not only do you have the alcohol in your system, but oh, now yeah, you're going and this is good.
1: And, you're playing with lighters fireworks. and explosives. Yes. This is a good uh I'm like It's a great this. combo.
0: Yeah. It's a great combo. So
1: Sounds like a fun time. It's almost sad. You know, they kill the whole culture there by just making it. <laughs> Uh, legal. But what was the next stage after being completely illegal in Minnesota?
0: Uh, So so the other law, well, actually what happened now is that the, the law got repealed. So now you can buy alcohol at liquor stores in Minnesota on Sundays. However, there was a huge uproar by the liquor store owners. They were pissed off. They didn't want the law to change which seems a little counterintuitive to me when i when i thought about it but their reasoning was well heck now i got to pay somebody to work that day
1: right and when I, people would like, just stock up on a saturday night anyway yeah
0: exactly but i'm thinking you know what you're going to get so busy on sunday morning before the football games or uh, you know uh you know if, right. if For the fourth of july who aren't
1: planners, right
0: yeah exactly they're all going to roll in and so but they were angry they they literally uh Went to the legislature and just said, you guys, we can't pass this law. There was so much, uh, so, so many of the owners actually went and testified in front of the Minnesota legislature to try to get that law not passed. It so was insane.
1: There was an intermediary step, I thought, where Minnesota, you could buy beer on a Sunday, yeah. but it could only have a concentration yes. of 3.75%. actually. 3.2%. So all of the brewing companies had to make two types of beer. The 5% beer that you would sell in Minnesota six days a week. And then the 3.2 and under that you could stock on the store of, like, grocery stores.
0: Right. You'd have those at grocery stores, and you would have those potentially at a... Gas um, station. A gas station, right. So you could go in and get 3.2 beer... At that point in time, but you could only buy buy it after twelve noon. So, That's great. So you couldn't even buy it before the football game started. You know, and so if the Vikings are playing a three o'clock game, great. But otherwise, if they're playing a noon game, you're still stuck. You couldn't buy beer before noon.
1: Right. But you could have a nooner. You uh, could have a nooner. Well, you could have a nooner of three two beer. Yeah, you'd need but, to have two to get one, right? And then you have well, exactly. Yeah, then you're having
0: fun. Well, so think about it, if you're a manufacturer of beer, if you're the Miller Corp, and you're making beer, and you're putting whatever amount of alcohol you have in Miller, so if it's 6%, right? but you have to make this special beer that yeah, you it's ship only— That's a whole only- separate
1: manufacturing process for one state on one day. <laughs> yes. Think about how much—they like they must have felt like the market was there, though, otherwise they just would have not made it.
0: Absolutely, the market was there because people were clamoring. I was like, "We need our beer." I need beer and on a Sunday 3-2. for the
1: football game. Yeah, exactly.
0: So cottage industry there for sure, but one of those things where you think about that and it seems ridiculous. You know, I've, I've told people that yeah, we can only buy three two beer in Minnesota, and they're like, w- "What the heck is three two beer?" And you explain it to them, and they're like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life."
1: But I bet they were happy. The uh, breweries when it changed because they had all the production capacity that they'd already built to make 3-2 right? beer that they could now just fully devote to making regular 5% or 4.4% of your PBR beer.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So tied to alcohol and alcohol sales, there's other laws that are, I'll call them Sky blue laws, because they're not fully blue laws, sky but blue. <laughs> well, I'll call them Sky blue laws. <laughs> I like that. So did you
1: come up with that, or you saw I did, that online? No,
0: I, I did just off the top of my head right That's now, baby. Nice. That's nice.
1: I it. like that.
0: That's how I roll. So you live in a state now that has Sky blue laws or had Sky blue oh, laws yeah. related to alcohol, and the previous state you lived in also had Sky blue laws as it related to alcohol. North so Carolina. North Carolina. So in Massachusetts, uh, so I'm curious to see because where you live is very metropolitan, obviously in Boston. Right. And you have a lot of folks that are from outside of of Massachusetts who maybe live there for college or have moved there for work just like you. Yeah. So I'm going to be curious to see if you've heard this term or not. So the term, the big term in Massachusetts used to be, I'm going to the package store. And that meant you were going to buy alcohol at the store that sold alcohol. Have you heard heard that that term? Never so that. so as you so maybe you, sh- you should ask van your boss about the package store because I'll guarantee you he's familiar with what the package store is but I was I, I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit. D- did you want to pontificate a bit on the uh, the sky blue laws in in Massachusetts or or not?
1: Uh, one of them that yep. I'm really excited that they're probably going to change yes is you weren't allowed to offer drinks at a discounted rate for a period of time during the day, aka you weren't allowed to have happy hour for <laughs> alcoholic liquids. So right. you could have happy hour deals for food, You could, but you weren't allowed as an establishment to say, For a certain period of time during the day, we're going to sell something for cheaper or more expensive. Either way, it didn't matter. It had to be consistent. If it had alcohol, it had to have the same price all the time. Whatever you set the price at is the price. No happy hour, which is insane. That's super nutty because you can still drink as much as you want. (laughs) Right. But you're just not allowed to get a good deal on it. You just have to pay full price. Right, which is whack. And I'm sure the reason for that is because they put happy hour before the dinner hour when they still have to pay the staff, but the hours are slow, so they try to get the alcoholics like me in there so that they can you know, uh, compensate the waiters a little bit more during the slow hours.
0: Or or potentially then you're a little looser with your credit card. Yeah, with my
1: change by the dinner hour. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and so you're going to buy more food even if you don't eat it.
1: Right, but then... Uh, I I guess they're afraid, like, oh, well, we don't want people walking around in a stupor at 4 p.m. If you're going to be <laughs> drunk, it should be when it's much more dangerous under the cover of, of darkness. Yes, of course. Which, again, great methodology by the Puritans out here. Massachusetts really <laughs> has it together. Uh, but do. that's they the only do. one that I can really think of that I know about, and that, that they even passed through like legislation. Now it just needs to get right? signed by the governor. I think
0: that is the one I was thinking of actually. So it's funny that that you you brought that one up. And then the other one was like I said, you could only buy liquor at the package store. So those are the two that I was thinking of. And then North Carolina is similar in that you have the ABC stores. And ah, okay. That,
1: so that was the package store? Like an ABC
0: store, that's where it was exactly it.
1: Controlled yes, by the sir. government.
0: Yes, that's the package store. It Was just like I don't know if it's exactly the same law, but very very similar in nature. Yes.
1: Interesting. Yeah. So they they definitely got rid of that before I moved here by some time because there's all kinds of different liquor stores here now. But
0: right, it's it's historical in nature. But like I said, I I would be certain that some of the folks that you work with are similar in my, to my age, and they would have had experience with going to the package store.
1: Sure, and I have experience with it in North Carolina. It's like stepping back in time Yes, living there <laughs> for a exactly. few reasons. But that one I thought was really strange. Like they still—not <laughs> only do they regulate alcohol by taxing it and tracking imports like other states do, but right. they they sell it. Like, and they sell it like a normal liquor store, but they can regulate, like, they own every liquor store in North Carolina. Like, there's not a Total Wine. There's just ABC Liquor. And that's weird because it's not really an anti-liquor stance. It's just a government monopoly on liquor could I, I the couldn't sky understand blue either. designation right yeah it is sky blue or it's like uh what's slate slate blue is when it's gray or, and blue
0: or we could call it carolina blue if, if we wanted to
1: I, i'm thinking of like that it's a kind of a gray area because it's not sure it's not like anti it's not anti-fun which a lot of blue laws i think did right the designation is it's not <laughs> yes like, they are it's fun kissing your children so let's make it illegal it's fun <laughs> buying wares on a Sunday. Let's make it illegal. You know, yes. It's fun not going to church. Let's make it illegal. Yes. But this one, like, oh, well, it's it's fun to drink alcohol, so let's corner the market. Not only will yes. we tax it, but we'll also make 100% of the revenue that would be there if private businesses were allowed to own it.
0: Exactly. So, yes, that's that's why I... Like I say, it's not truly blue, blue, but you're yeah, you're exactly right.
1: And it's funny too, because North Carolinians in like the media are portrayed as like a a big anti-government faction. Yes, like they're part Uh, of the American South, so they're like yeah, we hate the federal government, oh (laughs) y'all. Like that's how they're portrayed in the media, but then they don't seem to mind the government controlling what they can eat or drink so and when and where and when and where
0: it's yeah it's crazy so
1: anyway thought, yes. yeah so very I, good point very good point so
0: i think it's funny when we think about the places that you've lived so minnesota very yeah. restrictive yep carolina also restrictive. Massachusetts was at one time very restrictive. Yep. And Wisconsin, which has no restrictions on. Our
1: Heck yeah! You, I mean, they can, have technically have, have open container laws, but I've never seen it never enforced. enforced.
0: Everyone has a roadie. Everyone has a roadie.
1: I don't want to. I'm I'm just gonna do it because I don't. It's not my responsibility to protect the Milwaukee police. But there was a there was a police officer who was. You know, a group of them, like who were stationed on Kilbourne Avenue, which is the avenue where maybe if you're under 21, you might find yourself wandering (laughs) on a weekend night uh, or a weeknight with an aluminum can in hand. Whatever's in that, we can't say. But (laughs) if you go to Marquette, you might be doing that kind of thing. But the police, like, if you're a freshman... When the police drive by in the car, you throw the can as far away from you as possible. Absolutely.
0: Or dump it and, and throw it in the in the in the drink or something like that. Right,
1: yeah. exactly. So people are uh afraid of that. But by the time you're a junior, you don't have to be twenty one, but the like you can drink with some of the police officers. Yes. If they just hey, hang hey. out, like they're there for the block party. They would rather be doing their real work, but they've been sent to watch a bunch of college kids. <laughs> and so they make the most out of it by taking photos with you with the yes. handcuffs on and then they let you go
0: and they, they'll
1: uh, shoot shoot back maybe you can get them to shotgun a beer with you that kind of thing <laughs> So a, a
0: root beer they're, they're shotgunning root beers right
1: yeah root beer of course <laughs> they're not drinking on the job all that to say Wisconsin is uh, uh, alcohol positive you know how they say like um
0: Yes, they are.
1: Yeah, they're alcohol positive.
0: Yes, they, they if, if, if it's almost a requirement, right? Right. Like
1: I think about like Jazz in the Park on Thursdays downtown Milwaukee. They just sell whole bottles of wine at yes. a public park and yes, they you do. drink it on the park. So it's like if there's uh, yes. an open container law, that this is the furthest thing from it in America. And it's also funny cuz they don't have, like, when my Danish friends visited, Mass was very worried about that, like, that here, like, us going to the bars. He's like, well, I don't want to get, in, like, in trouble with your guys' like, open container laws. Oh, They're sure. Like, oh, yeah. well, we we won't take it out of the bar. But he was they just thought it was strange because he'd heard about them in America, but they don't have them in Europe. You're allowed to walk oh, down sure. the street with a beer.
0: So he would really like Wisconsin then?
1: Yeah, I guess. That's what I said. At least I like, for that that's part. what Wisconsin's like. And he's like, oh, you guys don't have open container laws? I was like, yeah, no, we do. We, we do, do, technically. It's, it's a blue law. No enfor-
0: yeah, <laughs> it's a blue law. There's no enforcement. Right. So, so that is the thing that is interesting to me about you know, living here is, is how that works. So, All right. So one other law that happens to be in existence in Minnesota, and I think there's a few other places that this exists in the United States as well, but this is still force, but it's looking to be changed potentially. And that is, you could not buy a car on Sunday. So, all of it's the car dealership It's the
1: Lord's Day. What are you going to do? The, Talk to a greasy
0: I, used car yeah. salesman? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you think Jesus would be happy with that? He's like, he I, died he the the I died on the cross. I died on the cross so that you could buy a Hyundai Elantra on a Sunday. That's hey, why I he, did what I he, did. He,
0: He came to die for those who needed their sins forgiven. And who needs their sins forgiven more than a used used car car salesman? salesman. Good point. Exactly. So there you go. So you could not buy a car. In fact, the way it worked was that the dealerships would would drive a car in front of the entrance to their car lot. So you couldn't even drive through the lot. So if you wanted to go and look at cars on Sunday, which a lot of people did because they wanted to be able to actually look at the car, see what the price is without getting hassled. Uh, so a lot of people would do that. So you'd have to park on the street and walk into the lot. So maybe climb over the fence or or squeeze through a little gate to go look at, at the vehicles and see the prices. But you could not buy a vehicle. And, of course, there's no salespeople there because, you know, if they can't sell, they're not going to be there, right?
1: Minnesota has a strong evangelical contingent, which is Absolutely. funny given, like, their voting record. Yes. They like the things I mean they accidentally did an anti-blue law not that long ago by legalizing yes, edibles
0: yes. ignorantly but however the the version of the edibles they legalized are the three2 version of the edibles so there you go
1: no I it was like five milligrams of THC concentration right
0: Whatever. yeah there's like a three eight or three nine version or version eight version nine and they did whichever one was the lesser of the of those versions sure so but basically could, the three two
1: and again, well, even that they did on accident, but you could still yes. get wrecked, of
0: course. Well, absolutely, absolutely. But it's it's t- it's typical Minnesota to do something like that. If if you're gonna if you're gonna, gonna do to it accidentally, at all, do yeah, it exactly. accidentally
1: and half-ass it. <laughs>
0: exactly, that's very Minnesotan. So anyway, uh, th- that is a kind of a history of the of the blue laws in the United States. I thought it might be fun to talk about some of the blue laws that exist or unusual blue laws that exist in other countries. So I'm going to give you some examples of those. Ones that I I consider to be unusual. So one of them is in Australia, um, and I don't really know how they came up with this one, but hot pink pants cannot be worn after noon on Sundays. You can wear hot pink pants before noon on Sundays, but post-noon, you cannot wear them. That's nice.
1: It would be good to know the origin for these and, uh, and so, the, whether or not they're enforced.
0: So it, when I was looking at these, it was it was hard to find some, some of that stuff. Uh, so I don't have an answer for that one. Here is another one I thought was interesting. In Israel, it is illegal to pick one's nose on the Sabbath. Now, that's not on a Sunday, but it's sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, Shabbat. which is Sabbath...
1: Shabbat Shalom. Yes.
0: And so if you can pick your nose any other time of the, of the week, just you cannot do it on Sabbath.
1: I mean, I get it. Like you're not supposed to work on the Lord's day and getting your I mean, mining for gold is hard work. You got to get your pickaxe <laughs> up in there. You got to dig around <laughs> through the dust, you know. It it can be Absolutely. hazardous. It can. It's an important you know. job, but Well, and you should and only do it not on the Lord's Day.
0: Even more stressful, because Israel is very a very arid and desert-like environment, right. high desert-like environment, so it's it's a little dry.
1: Right, and you're getting a lot of dust in your nose, which means more boogers.
0: Exactly. So right, that's tough. Just, just take care of it before sundown on Friday. Yeah, I'm,
1: well, good thing. I'm <laughs> going to have to remember that if I ever go to Israel, because I pick my nose 24-7, 365. <laughs>
0: Perfect, perfect. TMI. All right, in Switzerland, it is illegal to wash your car on Sunday. Really? Laundry, yes. Is Laundry somebody else not- allowed to wash your car?
1: Or- it's, it's
0: illegal to wash. I'm sorry, a car, not just your car. It is illegal to wash Tricky. any car right. on Sunday. Okay. Laundry cannot be hung outside to dry on Sunday.
1: There's no way these are enforced. There's not a shot in hell. See, that's what I also want to know is like whether or not these get enforced.
0: We can do a follow-up, a uh, little codicil to this to uh, to give you a little more depth on that.
1: All right. We just got to see if somebody's ever been arrested for it or fined for it like on the books recently. But that, that can be the- a whole separate discussion.
0: So the, the last one that I wanted to cover is some blue laws that are from Canada, specifically in the province of Ontario. And so I have a list of a couple that I want to do. So this one seems obvious that there are, you cannot hold any public meetings except in churches on Sunday. And the penalty for any of these laws is from a $5 fine to $25 fine. Now, these laws were set up in 1911, so I'm skeptical that these still exist. However, that is one that was on the books. Another one, there is no hunting, no shooting, no fishing. Also, no bathing.
1: No bathing on Sunday in Ontario.
0: Well, no bathing in any public place or... If you're in the sight of a public worship or private residence. So I was trying to figure out if you're in sight of a public, of a private residence. So like I, I can see my neighbor's house. Does that mean that I can't bathe on Sunday?
1: Right. Yeah. Or I guess you'd have to close your blinds versus the other week, the other days of the week. If you didn't mind your neighbors seeing you naked as you're getting into the tub then it, you, then it, that's you know up to them and their god. But on Sunday, you have to make sure that they can't see into your bathroom exactly. And if you're bathing at somebody else's house, it's probably illegal. So if you don't own, and probably renters, right? They're probably breaking the law if they bathe on Sunday,
0: absolutely, absolutely, because they're
1: in view of whoever the owner of the land is, or at least they could be. Yes. Potentially, because they don't own that. Very interesting.
0: It it doesn't specify whether or not they can see you. It just says whether it's in sight. So in theory, if you went to the letter of the law, because they don't get very specific, the letter of the law would be if you can see out and see your neighbor's house, you should not be able to bathe in your house.
1: Right. So that's where, like, closing the blinds would work, though, because then you wouldn't see.
0: But if you have... You know a window in your bathroom that doesn't have a blind, which many bathrooms don't because then they have like those those block uh, windows.
1: Then you're wearing a sleep mask while you bathe on Sunday. <laughs>
0: Ex- <laughs> the, yes, exactly, exactly. You can't be fully thought-
1: naked, but you you can wear a sleep mask. It,
0: <laughs> exactly. So another one that was listed was all excursions for hire with the object of pleasure cannot be taken by train steamer or other conveyance so if you're looking to hire someone for the object of pleasure on you cannot be on a train a steamer or other conveyance so as long as you were doing something that gave you exactly no pleasure like you know seeing the landscape or uh, you know visiting your friends you could you could take that excursion well. But-
1: Oh okay, I see. Wait, so you're saying was were those examples of things that do give pleasure or that don't? Because seeing your friends gives me great pleasure.
0: Exactly. You could not do that. That is something you were. Not, not by allowed
1: steamer. To do. I could walk there.
0: You could walk there.
1: But I couldn't just, steam there.
0: You couldn't you couldn't steam, you couldn't train or other conveyance. So in theory. Oh
1: you couldn't no. Bike. You, but you walking couldn't bike my legs are conveyors. They are. They convey me from one place to another. My mind absolutely. conveys me into my imagination. Is the imagination a different place from where I, I'm f- yes, physically
0: seated? Absolutely.
1: Wow. So I couldn't even play chess on a Sunday.
0: You could not. You Damn. could not.
1: Rough. Ontario's kind of strict.
0: It is. So this is the last one that I thought was interesting that we could we could pull apart is importing, selling, or distributing foreign newspapers on Sunday was illegal. You could have, local, local newspapers, but foreign newspapers were not allowed to be distributed on Sunday, or nor sold or imported on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's. That, I mean, I get it. It's strange though.
0: It is. It's quite odd. So, so that gives us a little bit of a of a look into blue laws, where they came from, and a couple, exa- or several examples of ridiculous ones,
1: and where they're going. Where and they where came from going. and where they're going.
0: Exactly. 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 Good.
1: All right, Pops, this weekend media, what you got?
0: So this week in media, I watched a TV show called City on the Hill. I watched the first season of that. And I will tell you that if you enjoy very good acting and you enjoy actors that are able to really convey, to use that term again, their uh, feelings very well. This is a great, great show to watch. It's set in 1992 in Boston where you live. Boy. So I would highly encourage <laughs> I would highly encourage anybody who has an interest in some historical, Uh, Information about Boston in 1992, which is very, very controversial, I would absolutely encourage you to watch that. Uh, There's a lot of movies that were set in this time frame in Boston, Uh, and one of the most famous uh, criminals was in the 70s, 80s, and into the early 90s in Boston, Whitey Bulger. The
1: Boston Strangler.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and Whitey Bulger. And so this definitely has a lot of tinges of what you consider to be classic Boston things, and the actors, many of them are actually from Boston, so the accents are spot on. Well, authentic. And so, so for you, who someone who lives there, you will be able to hear and go, wow, yeah, this guy is actually, uh, he's got this down, because, oh, by the way, he's from Boston. Sure. Well, so, I
1: live in the city where nobody has an accent because everybody's right? an undergrad or a transplant like me. But yes. somewhere out there in the Netherlands, they call... The South Shore, I'm sure. I could hear some uh, authentic accents.
0: So this is takes place mostly in an area that that isn't nearly as rough as it was, but in Charlestown. Okay, sure. So uh, that is where you get that from. So uh, highly encourage people to check it out. I've watched the first season thus far. Definitely looking forward to checking out season two. And season three is the current season. And so I haven't seen two or three yet, but I'm looking forward to checking this out.
1: Nice. I and, just finished reading a book by Colson Whitehead called The Underground okay. Railroad. One won the oh, Pulitzer okay. when it came out. It's historical fiction, and it's really good. I'd recommend it. I don't want to say anything that would divulge the plot, so I'm just not going to. But it won a Pulitzer no, Prize, fun. so you know it's quality writing, and I would encourage anybody to read it.
0: Sounds like a good plan. I'll put it on my list for sure.
1: Easy as pie. I'm just first class in my way through the rest of this pod.
0: I I like it. I like it. All
1: right, Dad, what's something you learned this week?
0: So something I learned this week is the the carrots improve your eyesight is absolutely a myth, and the roots of that started from a world – war two propaganda campaign were you familiar with that no i'll give you details on it so people think that carrots you eat more carrots they're good for your eyes they improve your eyesight but that is truly a myth that was started by the british royal air force because they had create yes they had created a brand new radar technology that allowed them to detect the german planes even during the middle of the night and so in an effort to try to keep all of this under wraps, they started to tell their uh, pilots, to tell other people, that the whole reason that they were able to see the various different German planes at night so well... Was because they were was on because, a high uh, carrot diet? Yes, that the pilots had been eating so many carrots they were able to see what? the german planes at night no way. yes yes that is how that whole myth got started was they They'd they were, invented so,
1: radar and they were hiding it they were they had invented carrots. a certain
0: with, with carrots so jordan when we think about this you had shared it you know a few episodes ago about them trying to train seagulls, the seagulls exactly to track down the germans you both the, i would I would tell you that uh, the English not only do they have a dry sense of humor, uh, but they are they're a sneaky folk. I guess you know you're trying to train seagulls and you're starting to miss about carrots so that you can hide your radar.
1: The British military has been known to enjoy a hoodwink or two. Yes, they they're have. hoodwinkers.
0: They they are hoodwinkers. I agree. So I thought that was that was very uh, interesting.
1: What will we learn Absolutely. about the British military next? Who knows. I, one can only wait and find out.
0: Absolutely. So, Jordy, what did you learn this week? Uh, good
1: question. I learned... Mine's Canadian, not British.
0: Okay. Have you ever Same heard Commonwealth.
1: of a man named Wayne Gretzky?
0: I, I have heard oh, of him. Oh, by chance you call, have. That's great. a great one.
1: They do, exactly, yes. So, Wayne Gretzky, obviously most popular for Michael Scott, quoting him... In the office, but only, yeah, that's his most popularity. Only yeah. second most popular, uh, like the me- second largest known thing about him is that he's a pretty good hockey player.
0: Pretty yes. good,
1: so good pretty, in pretty, fact pretty, pretty good. that if you know nothing about hockey, there's uh, there's goals, there's assists, and then there's a stat called points, which is yes. a person's combination of goals and assists throughout their career and they track all three of these metrics and a fun fact about Wayne Gretzky is that he's had so he had so many assists in his career that if he never scored a single goal at all throughout his entire hockey playing career he would still hold the record for the most points ever of any hockey player in history
0: wow that that is an amazing fact Because I grew up watching Wayne Gretzky and seeing him score a lot of goals and give a lot of assists. But that's insane that if you took away all of his goals, his assists would add up to more points than anybody else in history. That's crazy, Jordan.
1: That's how dominant of a player he was. And I feel fortunate for saying that when I visited Toronto, the first legal drink that I ever had was in Toronto with my buddy Tony. Because the drinking age is... Like what, eighteen there, and yep. it was at Wayne Gretzky's, which is since closed, because apparently the when the office went off air, his popularity decreased. <laughs> waned. Yeah, it waned. Ah, but um, that's pretty good, pop. That's pretty good. Yeah joke for you? Yeah. Well, I like it. I like that. Uh, but yes, I got I got my first dr- legal drink ever at Wayne Gretzky's, and it was very very. Fun and we got some. um What did it? What's that stuff with the cheese curds and the gravy? Oh, poutine. poutine I got poutine yes. and it wasn't good. Which is actually no. maybe why Wayne Gretzky's closed because no puti- I had, poutine
0: is spectacular. No,
1: I had had better poutine in other places. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. That particular poutine was uh good. underperforming. I like gotcha. the McDonald's poutine, but you know. Anyway, I have brand loyalty, I guess.
0: Yes, you do. That's my my fun fun fact. fact.
1: Yes, he's very good at hockey, apparently. (laughs) Also great at quotes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Breaking news.
1: And this week in chess. Wow. So, there's a billionaire. His name is Rex Sinkfield. Have I talked about him before? I don't think so.
0: No, I don't remember hearing that name.
1: Rex Sinkfield invented the first index fund. So he invented passive investing, which is how almost anything other than hedge funds are run now. Like people buy ETFs and index funds that use mathematical equations to track what quantity of stocks to pick based off of their market cap and other factors. And like your 401k, you buy just into an index fund and watch it grow over time. At least that is the American way that we've been advertised. Yes. And it has been the trend for the last 100 and X number of years. The market increases. And index funds are special because they beat active management portfolios year over year repeatedly. And so it was a huge money-making opportunity when Rex Sinkfield invented this. Um and we don't really know what his net worth is, but because he invented the index fund, it was very successful. Um, you can imagine all of his net worth was tied up in that, as well as for all of the people whose money he managed, so he got a pretty large percentage. And is his net worth is probably somewhere well north of a billion dollars, or at least it used to be. He retired in two thousand five because he was bored of just making money. That's the quote. Okay. And what did he replace his attention with? He replaced it with turning St. Louis into the chess capital of America. He didn't like that it was New York City. He was from St. Louis. He loved chess, and he had over a billion dollars to throw at a sport that is nowhere near the market cap of the nba or the nfl or any of these things you can do a lot for chess with uh, even a hundred thousand dollars you can do a lot for chess uh, so he funded the creation of this st louis chess club and that and the charlotte chess center are probably the two most premier chess clubs being run in the country um not the most historical that still exists in New York but the he even paid to have the Chess Hall of Fame moved from the Manhattan Chess Club to St. Louis and all of this leads up to the fact that he also hosts a lot of tournaments throughout the year in St. Louis the St. Louis Open okay uh, but currently the Sinkfield Cup and the Sinkfield Cup because he has prize money to give away, he can get basically anybody to sign up for it.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: so he's got um, our our American crowd, who mostly didn't aren't you know American, but they transferred to the U.S. Chess Federation on Rex Sinkfield's dime. So uh, of those people, you would have Lenier Dominguez and Levon Aronian, and even Fabiano Caruana was born in the U.S., but then started his career in chess, I believe, in Italy, and then came back. And I think that Rex sponsored him for that, too. Uh, And then you have Wesley So, who had to sit sit out for a couple years when he was transferring federations because he wasn't sponsored, and Hans Niemann, who is actually an American. Uh, and he is the rising star of American chess, Hans Niemann is. Um, He is kind of famous for, if you remember watching The Queen's Gambit, mom, and you, dad, uh, yes. there was the bad boy of chess who she plays in all of those rapid games.
0: Yes, I do remember that.
1: That's kind of how Hans Neiman acts in interviews. He's like, I don't care. Okay. Like, I'm not going to cut my hair like to look cool and like this, that, and the other thing. He's younger than me. I think he's probably still 19. Maybe he's 20 now. Gotcha. Uh, and he's not quite as good as the young Ali Reza Faruja that we've talked about, at least not in rating. Um, but he's also done something special in that I don't think he's had a... Maybe he does now, but for like three or four years, he didn't have a chess teacher. So I believe he crossed the 2600 threshold, which takes you into lower super GM territory. Okay. All by teaching himself chess, wow. which is incredible.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Um but he's 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 been on the come up but had a mixed bag. Like sometimes you see people pop and their ratings really go through the roof. Um he has had a hard time hitting 2700 until today, when he did something very, very, very special in the Sinkfield Cup. Uh, He had won a game, I believe it was yesterday, but maybe it was two days ago, against uh, Shakriar Mamadiarov, who we've talked about in other tournaments before. Yes. Um, Shakriar is 35, so he is geriatric in the game of chess. (laughs) Yes. And uh, Hans beat him, which is his... first classical win in a while and pretty significant because Shakriar is still like the number eighth best player in the world and Hans is like 68 well he rode that high and he went on this crazy interview where he said that he's not surprised that he won because in his head he's one of the top players in the world so it's good to see the board (laughs) finally agree with them which was a great (laughs) quote very Uh, humble yeah, he. That's how he is. He's just he's like the he's the bad boy of chess now. Anyway, in America, which is great. Like that's how Bobby Fischer was to some extent. Sure. And that's the very the brash American chess player is is what it should be. That's our ethos, you know. Well, not to not to be outdone by anybody other than himself. Today, just mere hours ago, he beat reigning world champion best chess player in the world magnus carlson best chess player to have ever lived who has won i believe 53 straight classical games in a row that's his run streak wow uh, or at least he, he hasn't lost in 53 games he's gone 53 games without a loss hans beat him W- uh, which is amazing, but he beat him with the black pieces, and I think it's uh, wow. Magnus's first loss with the white pieces in like three years or something.
0: That's amazing.
1: So uh, when when you're playing chess, the white pieces start, the black pieces follow. So the the person who's playing with white, if they're a good player, is always ahead by what we call one tempo. They get to make the move, which means they get to have the initiative in making an attack on the black player and the if you have the black pieces your goal is to walk away with the draw you don't take a lot of risks because you, they always have that tempo to throw at you and this is especially sure. true at the highest levels of chess uh so again when you're playing magnus you're just hoping for a draw and it's rare that you would even get in a position with the black pieces against him especially with a rating disparity of about 200 elo points which is massive which, which is between Magnus and Hans, um, you just would have no initiative. You would be playing solid, close positional chess. Hans went reckless, and it paid off big time. He won today, which means in the live oh. ratings, he just passed 2,700.
0: Good for him. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, a huge win. Congratulations to Hans. He's now leading. I mean, it's too early, but he's now leading the Sinkfield Club- Cup with two and a half points, two wins and a draw. And Magnus is down in sixth place or tied for, I guess, tied for like third, whatever. But there's five of them with one and a half points. Wesley So has two points. He's in second place. Um, And Ali reza Faruja, who we had mentioned before during the candidates, is also competing in this. He's tied with Magnus. Uh, jan Napomniachi, the man who will now be competing for the next world championship match versus Dingli ren uh, is also at this tournament and tied with magnus so he's in good company hans is and he he beat Shakriar and now he beat magnus and i'm very excited to see if he can keep on this hot streak uh, or what will happen but congratulations to hans anyway that was a long way of saying this week in chess how about this weekend, Brian?
0: Uh, this weekend, Brian. So I talked about this uh, a while ago, but I am now on day 93. I just completed day 93 of my run streak. So I've been going for three months every single day, at least a mile. But the uh, I've only run one mile one time. Otherwise, it's, it's been two miles or more. And I hit it with it, a 10-mile run today. So 93 days, still going strong.
1: Well, congratulations on that, Dad.
0: Yeah, pretty happy with
1: it thank you for potting with me always good and thank you for watching that bad movie with me
0: (laughs) absolutely we'll see if we can find some other ones that are that are bad and good at the same time
1: perfect uh how about a shout out to our our friend ted and his song you and i on his album it's fine on spotify or anywhere you and i you and i you and i